There are two readings this morning, and the first one is from 2 Chronicles 6 and verses 12 to 15. Before the altar of the Lord, in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands. Now he had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had placed it in the centre of the outer court. He stood on the platform, and then knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands towards heaven. He said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it, as it is today. The second reading is from Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Deirdre, thank you very much indeed. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would uh, just open our hearts and minds to understand afresh quite what your character is and the awesome nature of your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, do you remember the first time you were taken down to the sea? And you can see this vast expanse of water in front of you. I don't remember it <coughs> personally. Uh, I was but a babe in arms. Uh, but my parents took me to the sea uh, pretty much every weekend uh, for nine months of the year, every year. So I grew to love and know the sea. Apparently the first time I did see the sea, uh, I started climbing up my father's chest 
and trying to get over his shoulder, away from this big, scary scene in front of him. You know, it's one thing taking a child down to the river way, which can be wide in places, it can be fast running, it can be noisy over the years, and then take them to the ocean. And it's a different ballgame altogether. There really is no comparison. And yet one becomes, of course, and grows into the other. Now when Sally was born, Charles and Sophie's heart grew. Their love grew. And it was almost bottomless, I should think. Nothing could be wrong if Sally was doing it. Well, possibly. But then, of course, you start thinking, well, we may have another child. How can our love grow to encompass a second child? It's not possible. We love Sally so much that, well, really? But then, of course, along comes Sophie. And you love Sophie just as much as you do Sally. And your love just expands to fill all the spaces. It gets bigger, it gets deeper, it gets longer, it gets higher. There is nothing you wouldn't do for your children. And yet sometimes I think we come to God and we place limits on the love of God. After all, I am not as good as you are. I know the things I've done in my life. And you are so much better than I am. God wants to love you more than he loves me. I've only lived in Wallace. In fact, I don't really live in Wallace, do I? You know that. But I've only lived in Wallace a few years, so I'm not really part of the fabric yet. Therefore, God loves you more than he loves me. I'm not really yet accepted. Well, even beginning, I keep sure. <laughs> I, I, that was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> My children can't be loved by God as much as me because obviously I'm older, more experienced, and I've walked a few more miles than they have. So God loves me more than me? Clearly. Really? Is that what we think about God? We are busy in the office. We're always busy in the office, but at the moment, we're in great excitement. We're signing up to a new piece of software, which is all the background stuff, all the admin. It's going to make it easier and easier for us, which is going to be great. And you are all going to be introduced to it at one point. That's exciting, isn't it? Because what we have at the moment is really rather user-unfriendly. So we're going into a new system. However, what we have found is that we need to put in permissions and rules and regulations so that not everyone has access to every part of the system. You need the wisdom of Solomon. Stop, I can't tell you. Is that what we think about God? Just a God of rules and regulations, permissions, some people better than others, some people can do more than others. How can we then, in prayer, Approach God if we just think he's all about rules and regulations. Well, let's turn to our passage. Because Paul here, the author, has already looked at some of these rules. In the first two chapters, he's been saying, 
uh, this is Paul, the author, has been saying that God is not just for the Jews. He's for the Gentiles as well. God is for everybody. It is a misconception that God only loves a certain group of people. We have the same Saviour. We have the same Lord. We have the same relationship with God through the same Holy Spirit. And Paul's role was to expand our thinking. And he does that through prayer. Interesting, isn't it? That he comes to teach us through prayer. And he kneels. Not everyone in the Bible kneels to pray, but it was a sign of humility, of lowering yourself as far as possible, prostrating yourself before God. That we might fully understand the enormity and the awesome nature of God. The message, he says, is for the whole family. That is, for everybody. Every person that calls Christ their Saviour. And Paul's prayer is that we may know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of God's love. From the very first breath that Sophie took, God loved her. To the last breath that Sophie takes, God will love her. Endless, never-ending, eternal love. And she needs to know that whether she turns to the left or to the right, God will love her. She needs to know that whether she achieves great things and reaches the height, a queenly status, or whether actually she prefers to be in the shadows, God will love her. This is a concept, as Paul acknowledges, because, uh, and it's a difficult concept. He says, know this love which surpasses knowledge. So how can we know God loves us? Now, Sophie, I wish you could talk. You're trying your hardest, but I don't understand it just yet. But Sophie knows that she's loved. She just knows that she's loved. It will not be written down. If it was written down, she wouldn't understand it. It won't always be said, but she'll still know that she's loved. A small baby or a child can't do those things for themselves. And that's where we are with God. We give ourselves to God, and God gives to us. We are reliant on Him. It doesn't matter whether we turn to the left, or whether we turn to the right, whether we reach the heights or we plumb the depths, God's love is there. And we know that through Jesus, who gave himself up for our sin. And it's those moments like that that we sense that, wow, that I wish you could have heard Justin Welby talk about. Wonder outward words. No word is really necessary. We just want to say, wow. We know and we sense the presence of God. It's very similar to the sort of thanksgiving that we were looking at at the week. Uh, and we were, we were talking about it at our Thursday service, actually. Uh, and we were looking at prayer generally. And prayer generally, we think of as asking or saying sorry. And of course, when we're asking God, we want him to do something for us. 
And if we're saying sorry, we're saying sorry to God because of something we have done. And that we and the us are important because they are focused on ourselves. But when we come to thanksgiving, thanksgiving is always about somebody else, isn't it? In this place, if we're thanking God in prayer, it's because of the person and nature of God. When we come to wonder and awe, we look at God and we just go, wow, thank you. And it's about focusing our attention on God, not ourselves. We go, wow. So I wonder how intentional we are when we go out walking. When we see those sunsets from the downs, or the beautiful landscapes between Albury and Sheer, which Graham and Kylie took from me this week. Do we look at them and just say, that's nice? I've seen it before, it's nice. Or do we look at it and go, wow, that's God. That is God. I know God because of what I see and what I sense. I was out walking this week with a, a friend. And we were talking about our relationship with God and how in services, both of us recently have heard God speaking to us and we've had images in our mind. I went to my son's uh, church a week or two ago. Was it last weekend? Maybe it was last weekend. I wasn't here, so it must have been. Uh, and I was just suddenly aware of this congregation who were singing praise. And there was a real sense of the Spirit there, but there was a cloud. I just, I could see this cloud over them. And one of their leaders got up and said, do you know what, I think God is saying to us, we need to remove what's in between us and us and God. Let's pray for the Spirit to come. I was thinking, wow, this isn't even my church. And they were singing more. And I can see in my mind these sort of the cloud getting holes in it and the light pouring through the cloud onto these people. And I just thought the rain is going to break any moment. And this man stood up again and he said, I've had another picture. And I sense God's spirit overwhelming this congregation. Let's continue to sing. So we went there, you'd have loved it. it. It was about an hour and a half, uh, uh, and an hour and a quarter of that was probably worship. Because they didn't want to stop. I mean, you may not want it every week, but it was stunning. And my friends and I, as we were walking, we were sharing those stories, we were saying that the veil between us, and we need to pray to puncture it. We can pray to puncture it through prayer, through understanding the awesome nature and wonder of God. So this week, can we be intentional about seeking God, listening for God's voice, seeing God whenever we're out, through nature, through silence, through a situation. Let's not be afraid of our emotions, let's just, you know, you can be on the hillside and shout, you can be on the hillside and sit down and cry. Because you've seen God. Now, in all of that, I am aware and, and uh, originally I was going to stop there. But I don't feel I can stop there with the situation we have in Turkey and Syria. We talk about the awesome nature of God and the supreme benevolence and compassion and love and power of God. And yet we see people suffering. And I don't doubt that there are people across this nation who are saying, that proves it for me. 
there is no God. No God would let that happen. I think the first thing I have to do is admit that God is a mystery. And I cannot possibly understand all that God thinks. I'd also have to admit that we live in a fallen world. And as Caroline prayed, we don't help our own situations. But what I do know is written down, and I've experienced for myself, and uh, I hear from other Christians, and I'm afraid I don't buy the argument that God cannot be present. Because what is being said is that I don't believe in God because he God didn't do that for me. Why should he do that for you? Did God promise us an easy life? And I know our life is easy, so it's, it's easy for us to say. Are we making our love for God conditional on what God has done for us? And the fact that he'll continue giving us an easy and comfortable existence. Is it more difficult to stop something happening or to live through the pain and the suffering which that causes? And I, see, I can only sense God weeping. And the compassion and love of God must be overwhelming to the people of Turkey and Syria. And we need to lament ask God but nevertheless, we need within that context to see the wonder of God. We're asking in that question for God to reveal his character. But all I want to say to you is that he's already done that. Through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is watching his creation hurting. God is watching us inflict harm on ourselves, and yet still God stands there offering that unconditional love. It doesn't take the pain away, but we have the hand of God. That debate may well continue as I stand in the uh, entrance lobby as you leave, but I leave that with you now, and we're going to bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your endless love, the compassion that we have experienced and we enjoy. We thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you for the beauty of things around us, untouched by the circumstances. And our hearts are broken, and our compassion is real. And we pray that in some way we may help. Help us to pray. And help us to ensure that for those that we know in our community, your love is made manifest. Because in the same way that you loved us, we love them. We ask these things in your holy name's name. Amen.